welcome. You are listening to Zeal Fear House. I am your host, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Our focus here is on our relationship with our Heavenly Dad and all aspects of His kingdom, moving in greater intimacy with Him. Additional teachings, books, and articles may be found on my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's dwmurry.com. Again, thanks for joining us, and let's get rolling with this week's broadcast. Well, good evening. Thank you for joining us. This is Blog Talk Radio, uh, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Crothers. And Dorothy, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, David. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm uh, I'm doing really well. I'm very excited about this week's uh, uh, teaching. I, I think that um, it's going to be a blessing to understand how our relationships. It's it's a it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, and challenges are good because challenges are really exhortations or encouragements to have us press into the blessings that we have in the body of Christ, what God gave us available to. So. I know you've been looking forward to teachings on relationships for you've been asking me about it for a long time and so I'm excited to finally be able to to talk a little a little bit about this. So, uh what we're going to get into is godly relationships. Uh, it's going to be part 2. Last week guys, we spoke about uh relationships. It was more of an introduction and we talked about uh different categories of relationships, the stranger, uh the friend, uh family and marriage. Uh, first and foremost, guys, what, what we need to understand is all relationships are meant to express the nature of our Heavenly Father. The scriptures say that we have His divine nature inside of us. Everything we do are meant to be expressions of His nature. Uh, no matter what type or what category of a relationship uh, it falls under, it is meant to reflect the image of Christ. And what we talked about last week is, number one, is to understand that everything we see through must be seen through the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to see things through the eyes of how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit see things, what their nature is. Uh, and last week we talked about that, that that eyes, um, their nature is love. One of the confusions in the body of Christ that, that causes such a stumbling block, guys, is because um, we simply haven't been taught. We've, we've, we've focused on certain aspects of the kingdom and certain scriptures and studies and, and, and theologies, and we've let others go by the wayside. And the basics of, of our beliefs, the basic theology from which interactions with the kingdom are meant to safely uh, take place in are meant to be rooted in his nature. To the degree we don't understand how we've been reconciled to the Father, that we've been made the righteousness of Christ. To the degree we don't understand who we become, that the Holy Spirit lives inside us, that we're new creatures, and, and how our Father sees us and loves us, we're going to distort the way we interact with others to that same degree. How we see how the Father views us is exactly how we're going to tend to how other people see us and how we relate to them. A relationship with the divine nature is going to uh, be 
expressed in the, the, the nature of our interactions in the carnal realm. So we're going to get into this. We're going to get into part two of this is what do godly friendships, uh, what do godly relationships look like? So a, a lot of the confusion, guys, is because there's two principles that we don't understand, and we must understand two principles about um, friendships in order for us to begin examining if our friendships, if our relationships with other are modeled after the kingdom of God. Two things. One is the Father's heart. We must understand the very nature of our Creator. The second is we must understand the purpose of friendships. Before we can even examine if a, if a relationship is godly, we have to first understand the heart of the Father and understand the purpose of friendships. Now, for many of us, we're saying, well, that's not true. We have the scriptures to explain it. Here's an important principle, guys. The scriptures say, Proverbs 23, as a man thinks within himself, so he is. So our belief system, the way that we've been taught and raised to relate to ourselves and others, will form the way which we choose to relate to God. The way we choose to relate to God will be the way we choose to relate to the author of the Bible. I want to say that again. The way we've been taught to relate to ourselves and to people around us, when we finally come to accept Jesus as Savior, when we finally begin to study and learn about the unseen realm, we will pass that through what we've already been taught through the natural realm. It's backwards. It was not designed that way. But we come to Christ we have already formed relationships after we've already formed belief systems so we will have a picture of who God is that is very heavily influenced on our natural surroundings and our, our natural relationships that teach us what love is, what acceptance is and how we're to interact with others so our belief of who God is will be filtered through our natural relationships, our earthly relationships not meant to be that way. That's the process of undoing things in Christ, the mind of Christ and retraining ourselves. So let's follow the progression. My parental figures, father figures, things that I was taught are truth, things that I were taught are love. What does love look like? Is it highly conditional? Um, is it uh, completely unconditional love and acceptance? Don't know anybody who's lived in that environment yet. Um, what is, how do we treat people? What are our standards in which we're meant to treat other people? All these things, when we begin to then learn who our Heavenly Father is, we are passing them through our fallen belief system. Now, when we read scriptures, the scriptures will be filtered through that faulty, distorted view of the author. And that's why it's so important to go back to the basics. That is why, above all things, Jesus came in the flesh. Jesus coming and spending three and a half years, four years, depending on who you speak to, I'd say about three and a half years, the reason why he came to the earth and four different men wrote and gave an account of what Jesus did and spoke, a small fraction of it, was so that we can begin correcting the corrupted view that we have of the invisible creator who happens to be our Heavenly Father. 
That is vital. If the body of Christ would get back to teaching on that, embracing it, and working through our issues as a family instead of so divided, it would take care of all the issues that, are, that, are, that we're struggling with in this hour. It would take care of it because everything is viewed through the, the, how we view the Father's heart. And how we view the Father's heart will, will be to the degree we understand the purpose of friendships, the purpose of how we're meant to interact with the world, with acquaintances, with the lost, with the church, with friends, with family, and ultimately our spouses. So let's read some scriptures. We're going to first talk about understanding his heart and then understanding the purpose of friendships. Then we're going to examine how well our relationships reflect the kingdom, how godly, quote-unquote, are our relationships. Where do we need to make some adjustments? Number one, his heart. Uh, I'm going to read three scriptures. Hebrews 1.3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Hebrews 1.3. We'll hone in on this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being. Whose being? The Father. Colossians 1.15. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The sun is is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, we're not getting the firstborn over creation. In the Greek, it does not mean to have been birthed, you know, Jesus' uh, ever-existing eternal one. I don't want to get sidetracked, but the point of Colossians 1.15, the Son is the image of what is unseen, the invisible Father. John 5.19 Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. That's John 5:19. So guys, we're going to take these three scriptures, and we're going to hone in on two principles. Number one, guys, this is super important. Jesus and the Father are exactly the same in nature. Jesus and the Father are exactly the same in nature. The second, everything that we see recorded, that we read, that Jesus did, he did because it was the desire of Father's heart. Father and the Son are the exact same nature. And number two, everything Jesus did in his earth walk was because it was what was on Father's God's heart to do. Everything must be processed through the nature of the Lord. If we want to begin to get an understanding of what true love is, we look at the earth ministry of Jesus. We do not formulate a, a picture of the image of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit based upon the Old Covenant, based upon the epistles. The epistles and the Old Testament must conform to the living witness that's recorded of the nature of Jesus. That is why he came. If the church would accept that, pretty much all the nonsense we're dealing with and have dealt with in every generation would work itself out. 
But what happens is, guys, is we form an image of the Father and of Jesus, and to lesser extent, Holy Spirit. Many of us don't even really talk to the Holy Spirit, don't even bear witness to what the Holy Spirit is trying to speak, who speaks the will of the Father, as the Scriptures say. We formulate that view based upon ideas we've already grown up with. Corrupt forms of love, corrupt forms of how do I show acceptance, rejection, my beliefs about myself and others, and we don't take these thoughts captive. We do not conform them to the earth ministry of Jesus Christ. A lot of the doctrines and the stuff that are going around this hour are a violation of the nature of Jesus. And for some of us, here's one of the things that we struggle with, because there's two camps in the body of Christ, guys. I'm not going to dogtail too much, but just real quick, there's two different parts of the body of Christ. The one that discusses love, or I call sloppy agape, right? Greasy grace, <laughs> whatever. The other end is the wrath, the anger, the fire, the quote-unquote the holiness of God. And they're presented as if they're opposites. Guys, they're not. God is love, and love will be expressed different ways according to different things Father wants to do. But the desire is always for reconciliation and to bring us into greater intimacy. Everything that is done is done through that nature of the Father. In Genesis, he began the, the prophecies of what would take place, why? For restoration. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, had a dialogue, confessed their sins, the eternal plan was in motion to redeem mankind. We've got to get back to that, guys. This is not complicated stuff. It challenges our hurts and fears that we don't want to look at. So that's what's difficult. The difficulty is in the courage. The difficulty is not in, in the complexity of the theology. It's simple. God is love. Want to know what love looks like? Don't look to your dads, don't look to your moms or your uncles that you grew up with or the, the homeless, you know, the, the foster homes. Both sides of my family have a lineage of growing up in foster homes, growing up in, um, in, uh, in, in those types of scenarios. So there is a father and son generational things that got passed on that my dad had to work through, that I had to work through, and we didn't necessarily do it in that order. Everything must conform to what the Lord shows us is love. Okay, so the purpose of friendships. Let's get into that. So now that we understand the, the nature of the Father, let's get into the purpose of relationships, and then we can begin to examine our relationships. Guys, the purpose of, of friendships, of relationships, they've been corrupted since the Garden of Eden. If we go back to Genesis 2, the purpose of Adam being given a suitable mate was companionship. The Lord said it's not good for man to be alone right? Intimacy was the answer to solitude. Now, Adam had no sin nature. Adam was without fault. He had dominion over the entire earth, dominion over the animals, named all the animals. Uh, Adam was, would have been viewed, uh, uh, Adam was extremely intelligent, functioned in all of his brain. We operate in about 17% of our brain, scientists speculate, give or take, Adam lacked nothing except even with his relationship with the Lord, there was something in his created being that the Lord knew he needed. It was a companionship, person to person, being to being. So 
So the, the first relationship was formed for companionship, intimacy. I'm going to give you a definition of intimacy, and it will serve as a, as a plumb line for us here. Closeness, togetherness, an affinity, rapport, attachment, familiarity, friendliness, friendship, affection, warmth, confidence. Here's something I want us to know, guys, this is, uh, that this is um, important. There is no mention of self-worth in the definition of intimacy. Okay? Friendships are meant for intimacy. Any type of friendship we have, whether it's marriage, whether it's um, a platonic couple, whether it's just uh, friends, boy, 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 girl, um, coworkers, whatever the nature, the dynamic, the, qualif- the qualifying definition of the type of friendship we have or relationship we have, none of them are meant to determine our self-worth. We're going to get more into that. But that's a main point, in how we're going to see if a relationship is godly or not. If the relationship is defining, has a defining influence of how we value ourselves, it's out of alignment. Now, I will say this. As we're going through, as the body of Christ is going through healing, the Lord places in the blessing of friendships those that model the image of God. That goes back to what a godly relationship or a godly friendship is meant to look like. We are meant to model Christ. The spiritual elders are meant to model Christ so that those that are redefining their self-worth coming from God alone, unconditionally being loved and accepted, right? Colossians 1.22, Ephesians, uh, excuse me, Colossians 1.19 through 22, 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.21, as we are learning and healing and learning, hey, the way we were brought up may not necessarily reflect the true image of love and how the Lord views us and sees us. Earthly relationships will minister healing. We'll feel safe in the presence of certain people. We will, we will recognize they're, they're a safe haven. Um, in fellowships, we, we, we surround and guard the wounded sheep. Uh, Ephesians 4.11 tells us about this, tells us one of the roles of the elders is to set straight broken bones. as the Greek word in the definition of Ephesians 4.11. So that those people are given an earthly model just as Jesus gave an earthly model of the exact image of the Father. So there'll be times, I mean, there were times I was struggling with things that I wanted to run to someone that I knew unconditionally loved and accepted me because it helped soothe me while I was pushing through the pains and the lies. That's okay, guys. It's when we have placed a relationship above God and we're running to that instead of the Lord, it becomes out of alignment, okay? So I just want to make that distinction because there are many people in the body of Christ that are digging into their identity in this hour, many people. Uh, I, I've got overwhelming feedback of people that are in the trenches working out their salvation with the Lord in terms of their identity and their self-worth. And we need each other for that. We need a place where even though our issues get kicked up in the presence of light, we know it's safe. We know there's unconditional love and acceptance as best as, as, best as we can offer it to each other. But intimacy has nothing to do with self-worth. Uh, there's four basic points of, of intimacy. There's relational, emotional, physical, and spiritual. And those are listed in ascending order of intensity. Relational, how we interact with others. Emotional, 
is an exchange of thoughts and feelings. Physical is an exchange that involves the physical senses. And spiritual is exchanges that interact from spirit to spirit, our spirit beings, right? When there, there's a degree of, of spiritual uh, friendship, a spiritual connection, um, when it talks about the soul of Jonathan was knit with David, they're really talking about there was a spiritual connection. It's deeper than an emotional connection. I'm not going to get into that too much, but there is a spiritual connection that takes place, one in the body of Christ. We were created and designed, guys, for kingdom and kingdom interaction. The root of the kingdom, love and intimacy. Okay? This is uh, getting into the purpose of friendships. For us to understand the purpose, we have to understand his heart, his love, and the purpose of friendships is intimacy. No relationship is meant to be used to garner self-worth. Okay, Galatians 1.10. This is Paul speaking. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Okay, it doesn't say that Christ won't love us. It just says we, we disqualify ourselves of, of flowing in, the, in, in kingdom interactions because we're not thinking along the lines of the kingdom. Okay, that's Galatians 1.10. John 12.43 Yet at the same time, many, even among the, leavers, the leaders, believed in him. This is talking about Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. And again, talking about the approval of man. Relationships never are meant to determine our self-worth. Guys, this is one of the biggest reasons why the Great Commission is, is, is being ignored in this hour. It's fear. It's fear of man. It's fear of man. The United States, you know, we, we talk about things kind of really a lot of it delusionally. Uh, you know, underground church, uh, the remnant, um, uh, things that really uh, are not found in the New Covenant. Uh, the remnant, the remainder of people, are those who love as God loves and does the things that Jesus did on the earth. That's a true remnant. We want to examine ourselves and see where, where are we in terms of what's on Father's heart. We look to, do I see things and view things from the heart of the Father, which is his nature, which is unconditional love? Uh, and are friendships based upon intimacy or are they based upon trying to garner self-worth? So let's get into that. So then we talk about intimacy. Well, what does that mean? Guys, here's what godly friendships look like. Here's some things we can use to examine how godly friendships look like, godly relationships. There may be different definitions, different levels of friendships, different levels of acquaintances, um, but every relationship that is grounded on God's truth will reflect his nature. The way we'll know this is if the relationship mutually points to Christ. Number one easiest way to examine it. How, how godly, how centered in the kingdom are our interactions? Does the relationship mutually point to Christ? Now, again, in discipleship, there's not going to be a two-way exchange. It's not that type of friendship all the time. It's not that type of relationship. You have elders meant to model the image of Christ, to point the person to the truth, to the throne room. 
And the person that's being discipled, and this is part of discipleship, this is part of raising up the next generation of elders, will be leaning upon the truths, the principles, and hopefully the image of Jesus Christ that's meant to be displayed from the elders who have gone on before. Okay, but in whatever the exchange is, ultimately, in a mutual friendship, mutual relationships, they're meant to be mutually edifying to point and encourage each other to the throne room. And now in the fellowship that, I'm, that I'm, I am honored and blessed to be a part of, you know, I, I am an elder. I am, I am, I am a mature one in Christ. I'm continually working out righteousness and my salvation before the Lord, my belief systems. But there's things in my place at this time in my walk I'm meant to impart to the rest of the fellowship. I also am mutually blessed by everyone in that fellowship. You can always look and see truly how someone has really grasped the concept of righteousness. Hebrews 5.12 says that with the definition of an elder is someone who understands righteousness. That's our definition. When we get around people and it feels like there's nothing we can offer them, it's either coming from one or two places. Is it my own insecurity or is that person also giving off a vibe that they really don't want to hear what you have to say? That will determine whether then that person has their own stuff the Lord's working out with them. Because we are all meant to build each other up. We are all meant to, in one form or another, point each other to Christ. And depending upon the seasons that we go through, I mean, there's times when I was off the front lines, meaning I had nothing to offer people. At least I felt that way. I was a mess. I was, I was scared. I was hurt. I was angry. I was wounded. I was on the, the spiritual operating table. Guys, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up over that. Okay, recognize the seasons that are what God is doing in your life. Prophetic insight, the word prophetic prophecy means hidden things revealed. We need to discern what is God doing in my heart, in my belief system in this hour? What's he doing in my local friendships and interactions? What does he want to do in my community? my state, the nation, the world. The more we understand what God's doing, the more we can rest in the seasons. And so for those of you that, that feel like you don't have much to offer, that's okay as long as you're, you are being pointed to Christ or allowing yourself to keep your eyes fixed steadfastly on Jesus Christ. Okay? If we're fixed on anything else, we're misaligning, we're misaligning our vision. Okay? We're meant to point each other to Christ. Godly relationships are based upon two things. They will mutually point to Christ through, through understanding two foundations. In the same way that to understand, um, before we can even look at godly relationships, we must understand two things, the Father's heart and the purpose of friendships, relationships, in order to examine now how well those godly relationships are reflecting the nature of God. Two aspects to look at. A true godly friendship will always model unconditional love. Proverbs seventeen seventeen. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of, of adversity. I just um, well, that verse chokes me up. There's not a lot of verses that don't choke me up. Think about that, guys. A friend loves at all times. Again, our definition of love must conform to the Gospels. And it is so amazing because Paul, addressing the Greek 
church, the Greek fellowship, the Greek boarding in believers, the Holy Spirit gave him pretty much an entire chapter on love just to round it out. See, in the, in the body of Christ, in the Bible, there's two things. There's explanation and then there's application. There's, um, there's theology explained and then there's theology witnessed. So where the scriptures talk about um, Proverbs 17, a friend loves at all times, 1 Corinthians also describes what that looks like. And then we can go into the Old Testament, we go into the New Testament to see what love looks like in real interactions. So we have the word, and then we have the earth ministry of Jesus Christ, and we have other examples, which are lesser examples. Jesus was the perfect example. If we really want to understand what it means to love a friend at all times, look at how Jesus dealt with those people that were in sin. Remember, everything that's explained in the epistles, church interaction, church life, church discipline, church discipleship, everything that takes place must be viewed from the nature of Jesus Christ. Yet stop flipping that. We really, the body of Christ really has lost a lot of interest in the Gospels. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a great explanation and definition of the nature of God and how it's meant to look. Now, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Isn't that amazing, guys? Think about that. How far have we drifted from that in our own heart and relationships? Be imitators of God. What is that saying? Be imitators of the nature of God. doesn't start with the outside. It starts with the inside. Our nature is meant to conform by the power of the Holy Spirit, changing our thinking, changing how we understand and see what love is. How God truly relates to us is seen in the Gospels. Then we begin to change what true love looks like, how we are truly loved, and that will begin to change the way we think and interact in our own relationships with others. So Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. That great word, walk in love, that tiny little word in the Greek, 1722, Strong's Concordance, N, means in. It means among. So read it this way, as beloved children, meaning as children who are deeply loved. That's what the word beloved is. As children deeply loved yourselves, walk among love, meaning the kingdom of God, the very nature of God, which is love, walk amongst that spiritual reality. This is not about works. It's about where we abide in our belief system. Where do we abide in our thinking? Where do we abide in our spirit man? Also loved you and gave himself up for us. Again, where do we fit in with that? All the talk that we hear going on and the blogs and the YouTubes and social media or even mainstream uh, Christian broadcasting is what being shared out there in this generation, in this hour, is it pointing us to Christ, our identity in him and intimacy with him? Because everything that we view will be based upon who we understand the author to be. And the church has a corrupted form corrupted understanding of what love is and we have no excuse guys because we have the gospels 
We have the, the image written down. How did Jesus interact with people on the earth? People that were lost, that needed love. People that deserved to be stoned, but were shown unconditional love. Okay, so number one, unconditional love. Number two, this is a tough one, guys. <laughs> like the first one wasn't. Unconditional acceptance. We're to walk in unconditional acceptance toward one another. That's an oucher. Proverbs 18.24. One who has unreliable friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 17.9. He who covers and forgives an offense seeks love. Proverbs 17.9. But he who, re- who repeats or harps on a matter separates even close friends. Galatians 6, one, big one. Don't hear this taught very much at all. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who lo- live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Galatians 6.1, we are going to tease apart in the Greek a little bit. If someone is caught in a sin, the word caught means to be ensnared. If someone is ensnared in a sin, the Greek word for sin means trespass does not mean to miss the mark. Okay, a lot of people say the definition of sin, and we use sin. Everything that's translated sin is not the same way. It doesn't really make a difference. Here's my point. It means to trespass. If anyone has been ensnared in some form of a trespass, a violation, okay, it's the same. That word trespass is the same Greek word used in the Lord's Prayer. Let's think about the Lord's Prayer, guys. Lord, forgive us our trespasses, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. Church doesn't really do that very much. And the word restore. Restore that person gently. Forget about the word gently, right? Let's look at restore. The Greek word, kata, I'm going to butcher this, katartizo. It means to join together, to be met, to compact together to bring into proper condition, whether for the first time or after a lapse. That is huge, guys. Restore means to bring together. Again, the heart of the Father, reconciliation. Someone who is snared in a trespass should be brought back into proper condition gently. That is meant to be our heart. Guys, we can't restore someone if we're rejecting them. We're meant to point to intimacy with the Lord. Here's, here's the bottom line with this, guys. The reason why we don't know how to walk through the wisdom of where to separate ourselves, um, you know, next week we're going to talk more about, we talk about mixture and this sincere desire on the body of Christ's heart not to enter into what we believe is mixture is because, guys, we're being fed by people that have no business teaching the body of Christ. I'm not judging people. I am judging the word of God. I am judging whether a word is of God, I should say. Is that word of the heart of the Father? Because it's not coming from our Father. We need to Reject it. We need to take all thoughts captive to Christ, 2 Corinthians 10.5.
and we sincerely want to please our Heavenly Father. And so we're sincerely listening and trying to be teachable and submit, and our hearts are open and desiring to learn and grow and please the Father. But the problem is, guys, we're being fed muddied water from shepherds that have no business feeding the flock, and they're muddying the waters. And I say that in love. There's a time I couldn't say that. The last couple of years, the Lord really dealt with some deep-rooted anger that I didn't realize was there. I thought I dealt with completely out in the wilderness, had more to do. The anger comes, guys, at where Satan holds the church in bondage. He grieves my heart. It grieves the heart of our dad. And it grieves me to see the lost not knowing who our heavenly dad is. It grieves me. Anything that violates the nature of the kingdom of our heavenly father, it grieves me. Okay, guys, I'm not judging people. I'm judging that which is truth from not truth. Jesus says when you make a judgment, John 7, make a righteous judgment. With all my heart, my desire is to feed the sheep. So, guys, for those of you that are afraid, if you are friends with someone who doesn't believe the same thing as you, who may see a scripture differently, who may see have an ideology differently, we're called to point to Christ. We're called to unconditionally love and accept each other. Now, the depth of our relationship is determined by whether that relationship is a stumbling block. We, we've confused even that, guys. A stumbling block means it causes us to trespass against our conscience. That's what the definition of stumbling block is in the Greek. It's not, well, you're, you're doing this in front of me and you're being a stumbling block. No, you're just judging that person, guys. A stumbling block means if I know to do something wrong and I'm doing it because the people around me are, are influencing me toward sin, toward evil, and I give into it because it's drawing upon either my soul, my beliefs, or my physical temple, then that is a stumbling block. We've called things stumbling blocks that are lies. They're absolutely not stumbling blocks. We're just judging people. And we need to tear that down and conform it to the nature of our Father. Guys, I am surrounded with people that I don't believe all the things they believe. Surrounded. And I'm not talking about the lost. I'm talking about the body of Christ. But that's okay because they don't cause me to sin. We are meant to be the salt and the light. When someone comes and shares something with me, I ask the Holy Spirit, what does this person need? What touch from the Father's heart do they need? And I begin to entreat them in that. If they're not open, they're not open. Praise God, give them a hug, love them, and, and we agree to disagree, and we go on. But with friendships, with relationships, we can stop being scared if we don't see things the same way. Do we believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father but through Jesus Christ, that all sin and fall short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is, is, um, is, is salvation through Jesus Christ? Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Ephesians 2.8.9, for God so loved the world, that's John 3, that he gave his only begotten son. Do we believe this? Do we believe Ephesians 2 where it says that, that heaven is a gift, it cannot be earned, it's not of your works so that no man shall boast, right? Do we believe the basic tenets of salvation? We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Okay, then we are brothers in the Lord, brothers and sisters in Christ. We believe Jesus is the only way. There's no other way but through him. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've entered into a new covenant. Guys, if we have that foundation and we embrace the earth walk of Jesus Christ and his nature, we would be amazed at how you can begin to walk like Paul, all things to all people in order to win some. 
in order to bring people to Christ, in order to show them the Father. But we have to get it inside our own heart first. So now none of this, guys, is condemnation. This is light. This is exhortation. This is bringing light into any areas. We examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. The scriptures say to examine yourself. What is the faith? It's the truth. The truth of what? Well, what are we discussing? We're either in or out of the faith on whatever it is we are agreeing or disagreeing with the word of God. Where it's our job to examine ourselves, myself included, guys. I always continually examine myself. Myself. Let's sum this up, guys. Walking in godly relationships starts with two things. Understanding the Father's heart, his very nature is love. Jesus showed us the Father. He is the exact representation of the Father. Everything Jesus did on the earth was because our Heavenly Father said, do this. Our Heavenly Father is so much more loving than we have any idea. The second is understanding the purpose of friendships. They were made, they were created for intimacy. Intimacy. Recognizing then how healthy are our relationships, how much do they reflect God? How much are we mutually encouraging each other toward intimacy in Christ? Guys, if we have a friendship with someone and all they're talking about is one theology, one aspect of the kingdom, praise God, we can be fed, but we have to look at, okay, how is this pointing me to Christ? How am, what is this doing for me? Now, again, if it doesn't, I'm not saying to cut that friendship off at all. What I'm saying is to recognize how and where we're being pointed to Christ and to continue to dig into those areas. Dig into them. The health of relationship can be viewed two ways. Do we walk in unconditional love or to what depth? I really, right, let's be honest. To what depth we walk in unconditional love? To what depth we abide in unconditional acceptance. No condemnation, guys. We're not perfect. All of us are either in the process where the Lord is beginning to tap us on the shoulder saying, hey, guys, you have some areas in which your view of love is corrupted. You have some areas in which your idea of who I am is corrupted. It's in a violation of the earth walk of my son that I gave to give you the image of me. Right, so we examine them, and then we begin going back to the Word. Uh, you know, I, and I've said this before. I've gone through seasons of this, but I had one specific season where the Lord told me to do nothing but read the Gospels for over a year. All I did from Matthew to John was read the earth ministry of Jesus. And every time I had a question, every time something in the Old Testament or the epistles caused a question to come up, he said, David, you must make that conform to who I am because I do not violate my nature. Guys, going back earlier on, is God all loving or is he a judgmental, angry God? Well, he's not an angry God. He gets angry at sin. The wrath of God is poured out on sin. The anger of God is at things that violate his nature. That's why he gave us the new covenant, so that when he is raging at sin, he sees us covered in a robe of righteousness and a garment of salvation. He sees us clothed in the blood. He is a fully loving God. All loving is his nature. He is good. And from that, discipline, correction, purification, mercy, these are all aspects that come from love. Guys, judgment, discipline is an aspect of his love. They're not opposed to each other. Our father is not schizophrenic. 
he did not change his nature from the Mosaic covenant to the 400 years of silence before Jesus came on the earth. Do we ever stop and think about that, guys? God does not change his nature. It's the same Jesus that walked the earth that was in the Old Testament that gave Moses the law on Sinai. Because everything flows from love, and the Bible is progressive revelation. Everything we do must be viewed through the earth ministry of Jesus Christ. So our friendships will reflect and point each other to greater intimacy with Father God, to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus Christ, to the degree that we understand the Father's heart, which is love, to the degree we understand that the purpose of friendships are intimacy, and to the degree that we can begin to accept that we ourselves are unconditionally loved and accepted. That's how we'll, our, our relationships will interact. If we have relationships and they don't reflect these things, don't blame the relationship and don't condemn yourself. Begin to dig into your belief system with your Lord. Begin to dig into what do I really believe about God? And consider getting into the Gospels and saying, how does this fit into Jesus? You know, what, you know how does this fit into this? Last key point, guys, if we make the focus of a relationship to get something, it'll become darkened. If our, the purpose of a relationship is to get something, then people become instruments to be used. We'll use them for selfish gain. They'll become objects to feed our needs of self-worth. Okay? This is not to say we don't need each other. Scripture makes it very clear the body of Christ needs each other and relationships in general. Genesis 2. There are different forms of intimacy. There are different needs that we have. But when we're working through pain, woundings, we need each other also to address these wounds um, and point to the Lord and to bring the kingdom to that person who is hurting. But the relationship must never supersede our focus and our self-worth, our eyes being on the Lord and who we are as his child. If we understand this, the relationships will begin to become a blessing that they're meant to be. The fruits of the Spirit will be a natural outflow. So as we examine these things, guys, and you take some time, I would encourage you, just look at, okay, let me look at relationships. Where am I operating in fear? Where am I garnering worth? Where am I getting offended? And then turn to how our Lord unconditionally loves and accepts us. Take it one step at a time. We're going to be going into more of this. We're going to talk about greater intimacy. We'll be talking about how we relate in the marriage, uh, the marriage covenant. And um, next week we're going to probably talk about um, commonly misapplied scriptures, scriptures that we love to hide behind. They keep us from, from being challenged because we feel like we can use them to justify our anger, our unconditional love, and our rejection of others. And we hide behind these scriptures because we violate the principle of seeing things through the nature of Jesus Christ, through his earth ministry. Okay, so we're going to get into that next week. So as you have some questions, verses pop into your head, write them down, put them aside. And I encourage you, please take some time, take a week, take a month to just read the Gospels. If Jesus comes back, right, and say, well, I can't, Jesus is coming back. Yeah, it uh, doesn't matter. When he comes back, he comes back. Will he find us ready for his return with us enjoying our intimacy with him and being a light to others? Just relax, guys. Relax. He's not coming back this month. There is more work that has to be done in the body of Christ. There are more people that need to see the living witness in the body of Christ. 
He is doing a work in the body of Christ in this hour. And it's not going to end in the next 12 months. Okay. So, uh, Dorothy, that's going to be about it for this week. Next week, we're going to go over some some abused and uh, wrongfully taken scriptures, and, and we'll go from there. Uh, any thoughts, Dorothy, before we uh, sign off tonight? Uh, just that I, I don't know when, where, how the body decided it could not agree to disagree on things because our walk is so progressive. We're not going to agree 100% of the time with someone who's on a different, you know, spot in their walk. So, yes, we are going to disagree sometimes, but that doesn't mean we just, you know, walk away well, from the, them. Yeah, that's a great question, uh, uh, Dorothy. And to give a little bit of, um, again, I'm, I'm going to, at the risk of, I mean, we, we all, all of us, myself included, we need to grow up. We need to be mature. The scriptures say a, uh, a soldier does not get involved with civilian affairs, meaning everything we see, guys, must be taken back to the word of God and must be seen through the righteousness of Christ, through our identity in Christ, right? So at the risk of that, I'm going to say some, some prophetic hindsight, meaning things of the spirit revealed to the body of Christ that have already taken place. Some prophetic hindsight that I can share with us in the body of Christ is in the last 50 years, I use 50 years as, as, a, as a starting point, the body of Christ systematically became more and more entrenched in a theology that became, instead of centered upon the gospel and our relationship with the Lord, became centered upon ourselves. When a relationship, when our, our spiritual uh, food begins to be centered upon what God can do for us and we begin to pervert the scriptures that say he who spared not his own son um, but offered him up how shall he not freely in Christ give us all things Ephesians 2 I think that's Ephesians 2 to the degree that we begin to pervert things so God becomes a vending machine when the body of Christ does not understand identity, does not understand our self-worth in Christ means we're unconditionally loved and accepted, every reaction to a false doctrine, every reaction to an extreme will have an opposite reaction that's just as dark in the end. Everything will turn to an extreme because we are not moving by the mind of Christ, who is our plumb line. So the blowback in the last 50 years as the body of Christ left traditional church in the millions, um, and I was just looking up, it was funny, just two nights ago, uh, some stats, don't quote me on, the, on that because I, I don't cite the sources. You guys can look into it yourselves if you want to find out how many people are fellowshipping outside of church buildings, whatever. There was a massive exodus away from that self-centered gospel. But because we were not taught in the past 50 years much about identity, the reaction was to teach the other, what we call aspect of God, which is a holy, righteous um, uh, fire and brimstone father. And so the other extreme became, we must separate ourselves from all impurity. We want old covenant. We began to talk about Ezra and Nehemiah, and that naturally evolves into end times judgment and preparing ourselves for the end times. And everyone who's not walking with God is going to be judged in sin. There's, there's no love in it. So in that reaction, the overreaction is being taught um, we have forsaken the heart of God in our zeal because we're not being taught that here's a holy, loving, perfect God, and these are how all expressions flow from that. 
and, and how um, loving correction and discipline is meant to restore us back to his heart. And here's who we are as a child of God. So not to be too long-winded, but that's where that came from. The lack of love that Jesus prophesied in the Gospels would take place in the church in the end times. We're living amongst it because the elders, those that are meant to feed the body of Christ, which every generation is meant to raise up the next generation of elders. If you guys are listening to this and, and you are not someone who's teaching somebody else, either you have something to offer and you should, I want to encourage you, or you are destined, according to Ephesians 4.11, to become an elder. Every one of us are meant to come into full stature and maturity in Jesus Christ. Every one of us. There are no anointed. There are no people that were destined for this hour to become the elder. We all have a place. We all have a function. We all have a purpose. And we are all meant to grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ. That means every one of you that I am honored to share these things with are meant to do the things of the kingdom. You're meant to walk in the power and authority and in the manifest nature of God. And anyone who's been taught, well, if we, if you don't talk about sin, if we don't talk about judgment, then we're going to sin. There's an extreme to every truth. And my website, I certainly discuss on kingdom insights, the danger of sin. Galatians 6, 8 says, if we sow to it, we're going to reap death in that area of our lives. Doesn't interest me. So the more I embrace God's love, it does not want me to, to sin more. That's just, it's, it's well-intentioned foolishness, guys. Because the more that I sense the love and power of God flowing in me and around me, I do not want to short-circuit that by sinning. It's a ridiculous concept. The only thing that will cause us to want to sin more is if what we're doing is out of dead works. It's a spirit of Pharisee. It's a spirit of Antichrist, having a form of godliness, but not allowing the power of the kingdom to flow through us. There's a form of Antichrist that's in the church. We have a very limited, insulated view of Antichrist spirit. It's working in many of us that call ourselves the remnant. We don't have the love of God, and we're not moving in the power and nature of God. If we're not doing the things that Jesus did on the earth, we are not moving in alignment with his commission. And that's what he's interested in because that is what will win the lost. That's his words, not mine. Sorry, Dorothy, it didn't even be so long-winded, but, but so that's, that's, that's that was good. where we're at. That's a good answer. That's a good Someone answer. pulled the string on my back. And you know what? This is a little bit out of, uh, this is a little bit out of key, but I am just, uh, I'm learning more and more to be open and transparent. And I am just going to, on the air, I'm going to, I'm going to, bless all you guys. And um, above all, I'm going to bless my wife. I'm going to honor my wife and honor my family. Father, I thank you for giving me a family that is a blessing. I confess and acknowledge that Maya, my wife, my children are a blessing and I put around them a blessing of honor that nothing unclean can ever permit to come through it. Father, I destroy it by the power of your spirit, all work of jealousy and everything in the, in the hearts of those, Lord God, that was the ill intent. I just thank you for blessing them with a revelation of your goodness. Bless them with a revelation of how loved they are. And Father, I just agree with your thoughts toward my family right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I bless all the listeners in the body of Christ 
God, that your spirit of peace would rest upon them right now whenever they are listening to this. Thank you that you are a God who lives outside of time and bless them with fortitude and courage and the manifest presence of your love that will motivate all of us to seek you, to seek the truth of who you are and that we would have the courage to embrace it and drive out all fear and condemnation that leads to legalism and doubt and despair. And I just speak your life and your peace over the body of Christ, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, someone pulled a string on my back tonight. Well, Dorothy? (laughs) That was good. Um, And I do think there is a need within the body to look at the laws in the Old Testament and look for the love that's in there, because it's there. I've seen it myself. You know, when you study it and you go back to the the original languages, there is love oh, yeah. in the oh, law. Yeah, yeah absolutely, Dorothy. The cultural times, the, the laws of Moses that dealt with um, that, that were given were so progressive in their surroundings. They were so, there was so much love and provision. That they were a lot of what people we don't understand because we haven't been taught to study it is the 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 that law that uh, code uh, moral and um, judicious code in which the nation of Israel was meant to live by was so progressive and so in stark contrast to the demonic judicial code and legal system of the demonic nations um, around them. Uh, that you know that that's just a wonderful study, but we can't even get there until we first begin to embrace the nature of our Father and the exact representation that's shown to us in the Earth ministry of Jesus. We we um, we're we just not ready for that. But oh, oh guys, going back to an example earlier on, look up First Samuel. I think it's twenty, and you'll see David and Jonathan. And um, that's a, just a wonderful example of how friendships, how when God, God knits friendships together, um, how they bless one another. First Samuel chapter 20, it talks about right just after David uh, killed Goliath, how Jonathan, um, who was King Saul's son, it said their, their souls were just knit. And Jonathan just loved him, even to the point where he wasn't interested in becoming next heir to the throne. He knew David was. And th- that story of friendship just always blesses me. Anyway, God bless you guys. Dorothy, bless you. All listeners, be blessed in Jesus' name. And um, we will continue on here uh, probably in two weeks. I was hoping to do it next Friday, but I don't don't think that's going to work out. And we're going to look at some common scriptures that are are mistaught, misapplied, that will clear away some of what seems to be confusion or contradiction on all this. So God bless you guys. Have a wonderful evening. And I will see you guys soon. Dorothy, cue outro. This has been Zeal Fear House. I'm David Murray and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. We were hoped that you were blessed by this week's broadcast. Again, if this was your first time, please stop by my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's D-W-M-U-R-R-Y.com for additional teachings and insights. God bless you, and until next time, please dare to accept the fact that your heavenly dad loves you deeply. Mm-hmm.